Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. Welcome to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. This episode's coming at you a bit differently because I was fortunate enough to be invited on to the Influencer Networking Secrets Podcast hosted by Paul Edwards. You know, from time to time, I'm given the opportunity to jump onto other people's podcasts and share a bit about myself with them. And after speaking with Paul, I just felt like this was a great opportunity to share my heart for casting vision for your business and how my experiences have personally influenced that. Paul is an international best-selling author. He's a speaker and coach himself. He's an entrepreneur and he's an all-around great guy. And I'm really excited to uh, share with you what he and I discussed on this episode. And as always, feel free to provide feedback afterwards. But for now, go ahead and check out what Paul and I had to talk about. Hi, welcome to the Influencer Networking Secrets podcast show. We're joined this week by Ryan Miller. He is the host of the Excellence Mindset podcast and a coach, consultant, and speaker. He's also the author of 10 Tools for Sales Success, which you can pick up in the show notes. I wanted to interview somebody who has really received a strong change in direction and a very clear vision for the future of their business, their family, their career, their life. And Ryan's story definitely embodies that. As you listen, you'll find out that his current path differs greatly from the previous one he was on because of a tragic event that happened where he was closely involved with it. So hopefully this is useful for you. Uh, if you like it, please be sure to share it. Uh, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else the podcast is available. And now let's get started and, and learn about how to get a vision for your business with Ryan Miller. Well, I'm very excited this week. We are joined by Ryan Miller. He's the host of the Excellence Mindset Podcast, and he's a coach and consultant and speaker. And uh, Ryan, we're so glad to have you on the show. Welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to sharing some time and uh, seeing what I can learn from you uh, in the midst of you doing your podcast. Well, hopefully some of it good, I hope. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I appreciate you joining us from sunny Southern California. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to be there in July. I'm hoping to set up a meetup. I talked to, to Matt about it too. So if schedules align, hopefully we'll get to meet in person as well. Um, but for this interview, for our listeners, what I wanted, I, I arrived at, at this subject of vision. I've touched on it in some previous episodes. I really wanted to dial in on it with you. Um, you've got this thought-provoking story. And as I sort of zoomed out to 30,000 feet and looked at it, um, I, I saw a parallel between your journey and mine, very loosely speaking. Mm -hmm. But the, the beginnings of it were much more severe for you than they were for me. And so what I want people to hear is that where, you know, vision can come from any number of instances and circumstances, including very traumatic and tumultuous ones. Hmm. But why don't we start there? You know, I, I know you've got years and years behind this, but let's wind the clock back to about 2017. And, and I'd like to, for you just to introduce yourself and tell the story of how you Went, underwent this massive change in direction of your life. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I would like to say that my life up to, you know, where we'll talk in a second was a, a smooth and easy 
but a lot of times, as you said, as vision comes from everywhere, I think there were a lot of points along the way. As I look back, those were moments of, I call them reflection to, to give direction to kind of what's next and, you know, in season of life. And so, um, I had come out of a season of, uh, in late 2016, uh, I, was uh, working for an organization and uh, my coworker and counterpart on the other side of the business uh, committed suicide at 30 years old and uh, was just really rocked by that. Uh, in addition to coaching and consulting, I'm also a pastor of a church. And so people think that, you know, you're just rock solid in your faith when that's the case. And let me let you in on a little secret. That's absolutely not the case. No. Um, and a lot of times that can be a very dark uh, place to be because um, uh, it's weird for me to say this because I don't think of myself this way, but a lot of people put you up on this pedestal as though like you've got it together or you've got your support and, uh, and that's just not the case. And a lot of times you feel really lonely. And so coming out the other side of that, I was actually really angry with God during that period of time uh, mm -hmm. for letting that happen. She was a fellow believer and just got into a, into a really bad way uh, in her own thought process and living up to expectations. And so that was a very difficult season of life uh, for me. Uh, we weren't super duper close personally, but professionally we were. And so a year goes by and I figure I'm, I'm on the other side of that and things are great. And um, so then in October of 2017, uh, my wife and I and five of our friends uh, were in Las Vegas at the Route 91 concert. This was our uh, second year of being there. And um, so, as I say that, some people already know, but, you know, that was the place of the mass shooting uh, that took yeah. place. And um, unfortunately, in addition to just, you know, being in the crowd and, you know, being a part of what happened, uh, one of those five friends uh, was one of the 58 that was killed. And um, so, obviously, I mean, that just does so much to just rock what you think is a pretty solid foundation. And yeah, I mean, it really just, it, it sent me into just a, a ripple of so many different thoughts and uh, consideration for where I was at and what I was doing. I mean, it really was just this moment of just absolute chaos, not even in the moment of it just happening, but for the weeks that followed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, it, it does a lot to you, obviously. Now, uh, you know, I, I want to stop here for just a moment and, and ask the people listening. I mean, if you at all have somebody that you regard as a spiritual authority, a pastor, priest, whatever, do you, do you hear what goes on behind the, 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 the nice little facade that you see there on Sunday mornings? Do you hear what the, 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 the these people are human beings just like you? And, and so they're dealing with, you know, um, trying to, they have enemy dogma coming at them, trying to dissuade them of their calling, trying to talk them out of things and, and eventually talk them into, as happened with your business partner there, um, killing themselves, yeah. you know, and, and, and what I want, you know, I mean, if you, if you're not a particularly religious person, fine, but, um, in, 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 in any context, um, I heard uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin say this. He said, business is spiritual. And we keep trying to do this old, I forget what they call it, whether it's Gnostic or um, they, they talk about dividing the, you know, the profane from the sacred. Yeah. Um, and, and what we really need to reframe, in, no matter what our beliefs are, is that business is a spiritual 
process. It's a spiritual activity. And, and all you need to do is have worked for a tyrant, you know, <laughs> um, or a lousy supervisor to know that, right? Yeah. You know what it's like to have your soul and your, and your spirit dispirited by yeah. working for somebody who is unpleasant to work for. Well, and I think, you know, I think that, you know, as you say that, you know, I think one thing that um, <clears throat> was just so fascinating to me was um, though uh, with my coworker, uh, we watched this pattern of just her breakdown mentally and just a lot of the struggles that she was going through when we knew she was going and seeing a doctor, you know, specialists and just so many different things and taking medication and trying to give her the space and the grace that we could, you know, at, there was this point of like, okay, I've got to back off a little bit, right? Because I don't, I don't want to overstep my bounds. Yeah. And, and, and it's totally understandable. And yet, fast forward a year, and obviously, you know, I, I didn't take my life, um, but here I was in a similar situation in the sense that I was struggling and I was hurting. It was a loss of somebody else, but I felt that sense of, of, of emptiness, of distance from a lot of people, and I know that it was out of respect and consideration and care for me and not wanting, you know, there, there's people that are maybe like that second tier of relationship to you that that aren't that aren't wanting to just overwhelm you and so I, I i appreciate all that i would just say you know as it relates to something like this that because we are all stepping through and struggling so many different through so many different things it just never hurts to take one more step just to, just mm -hmm. to ask that one more question like we are all dealing with things. We are all struggling all the time. And it doesn't mean it has to be some humongous tragedy. It could be something so small, like I couldn't pay my car payment this month. And just having somebody to talk to um, could, or just to know that somebody cares, maybe even it's just that, can go so far. And I think that is something in business that is definitely lost because of that separation of the sacred and the secular, you know, whatever you want to say. And I just think that's a mistake. In organizations now more than ever, I think we need to see a deeper sense of community and relationship uh, mm -hmm. because we spend so much time there and there's just so much opportunity for those interactions. Well, and, and so here's the interesting thing. Um, Aaron Walker, who leads the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, is a good man. You should know him. Um, I was watching one of his, listening to one of his uh, podcasts recently, and he said, <clears throat> people are, will only be as open and vulnerable to you as you lead them with yours. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people hear what you, including me up until a few years ago, um, would have heard what you said there, Ryan, and said, sounds great, but nobody wants to talk to me for very long. You right. know? And it's a product of our being guarded mm -hmm. um, rather than, especially when we're in a time where we can offer that to yeah. just open up and say, look, I'm, I don't know what to do about this. I have this problem. And I, at, 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 at worst, the, the, at the very least, what I could do is, is just spill it off my guts so it doesn't eat me on the inside. Yep, Absolutely. So, you know, you, you look at this, you look at this decision you made in the aftermath of this shooting in Las Vegas, um, the way I perceive it from, you know, you can correct me on this, but it, it, you know, I think a lot of people tend to think going into business is a mere rational calculation. It's not, it's a spiritual <laughs> conviction, Yeah. you know, and it, and it has for it to really be genuine. If you ask me, it has to come from somewhere deep inside further than the rational mind. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and you know, so uh, for let's see, about five years, uh, I was in business for myself, a consultant, a coach, and I was doing great. Uh, the company that I went to work for was actually one of my clients. I was doing that for about three years, and so it, it wasn't like any of this was foreign to me, um, other than this you know, tragic event. Life was good. Uh, I was well provided for. My family was happy. Things were going well. So I, I think, again, a lot of times people feel like they've got to wait for this big, like high, high, high point in life or this deep, deep low in order for something to happen. And that's, that's just, that's not reality, right? I mean, I'm sure you see this and you know this all the time. For mm -hmm. me, I believe that one of the reasons that my event had to be so devastating is because I'm just really, really stubborn and I don't do a good job of listening. Um, you know, in, 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 you know, in my language, it's listening to God as he, um, you know, as he's speaking to my heart, but, but for anybody that can be, you know, listening to a whole, a whole host of different things. And so while I had already been convinced that I was driven and habitual in good, in, in, primarily good ways. And, um, you know, I, I was on the right track and I had all my goals in line and I was hitting them. Like I, I thought things were really, really good. And they were, it was just that this event, it caused me to just rethink my life, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, a, a reconsideration of purpose and, and back to that reflection. And I looked back on where my life had been and where I was at the moment. And one of the first questions that came to my mind, and my wife just affirmed it almost immediately was, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Yeah. And, and I couldn't say yes quickly. And so that was, the first, uh, that was the first moment of, okay, then I need to rethink what I'm doing, right? It wasn't like I was in a bad place or anything. It was just, is this, am I convicted that this is it? And I, I couldn't 100% say yes. And so I had to start asking other questions and get other people involved to start asking other questions too. I like that. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, the Similar, though not as severe circumstances for me, but I, I, I found myself coming to the same sort of conclusions, but in, by a very different uh, approach which was to say <clears throat> I had a, a, you know, a good job here locally in the insurance business. I'd built a, a massive network of people who referred me business mm -hmm. and I could just parlay that into one job or another or open my own agency um, and wouldn't have any trouble getting hired. You know, the insurance industry is one of the biggest turnover uh, industries in the world for good reason. Yeah. But I said to myself, I went into this because I got persuaded that what I really wanted to do, what I really feel like I was created to do and where my talent set and all that lies, um, had been passed over. Hmm. I went into it because I was, I allowed the enemy to talk me into thinking that God had passed me up. Hmm. And it turned out no matter which way I had gone at that point, um, there were things in my character that needed to be dismantled and reconstructed, no question about it. Mm -hmm. But at no time in any decision or path that I chose did 
you know, would if you were to imagine God's face when I did it, you know, at no time was he sitting there thinking, oh no, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, you can't, right. people on the podcast can't see it, but I just let my jaw drop open like, you know, a surprised human being. He's never caught off guard by that right. stuff, in other words, you know. And so when it came to the end of this in, time in the insurance business, I just kept ask, having to ask myself, you know, um, this isn't, this clearly isn't what I was made to do, though I've been quite successful at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned a tremendous amount from doing it, but this isn't, you know, this is not the hill I'm going to die on in yeah. other words. And so, <clears throat> um, I keep coming back to this quote and I, the audience will forgive me for repeating myself, but, uh, Arthur Schopenhauer had the quote that, um, and, this is not meant in the literal sense. This is a figurative sense um, that talent hits targets. No one can hit, but genius hits targets. No one can see. And that is to say the vision, you know, is, is looking at a target. No one else is looking at mm-hmm. um, and nobody else sees. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know yeah. if that really. And something that you said earlier, you know, it, it, it's something that really has taken me another year and change because I, I didn't resign until 2018, May of 2018, it took me six months to get there. And, um, but one thing that has taken me a while to really catch on and, and really lean into, but for me, what I recognized was, it, was that I had been successful at many different points in my career. Um, again, just totally by the grace of God, got into sales, was successful there. I worked for a couple of different industries and companies, was successful, had started my own business, struggled for a while, then found success. I went to work for a client, found success. And so that, and and even in a good sense, that was my gauge a lot of times, right? Like I was doing well because I was successful. And that can be defined in a lot of different ways. And what I'm about to say may be a play on words, but for me, it's not. But what I started to realize was, is that success did not equal fulfillment for me, even when I was defining success appropriately. Like success to me has, has, at least for the last 10 years, has not been about a huge house and a super nice car and tons of money in the bank and a retirement account and vacations in the Caymans with my family. Like all that stuff's cool. And and I'm down to try and achieve each of those things. It's not that those are wrong, but that wasn't success for me. Success for me really was about finding the sense of contentment and, and enjoying life wherever, you know, wherever that took me. But what I started to recognize was, is, was that that was my gauge and that was a bad gauge because we, we will not consistently achieve success. Most likely if we're honest with ourselves, we have these periods of up and down. And so I started to find that this idea of fulfillment was really what I needed to cast vision for, right? As you say that word, like I needed to seek out what would be the most fulfilling thing in my life every single day. Like, could I get out of bed and find joy in doing X? And once I could find that, and once I find that, like I will latch onto that with everything humanly possible and I will not let go. And so that for me was a big paradigm shift. And though I probably saw it back in the end of 17 into 18 when I resigned, it wasn't until probably the last three or four months that I've really started to lean into what that means to me personally and then trying to even reshape some things now based upon that versus, you know, the the former. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
that brings me to a, a question about uh, vision. And that is, um, what do you do, you, Ryan, personally, when you start to get this? Okay, you, you especially birthed in sorrow like yours was. Um, what do you do? I mean, how, how do you talk about some practical ways, talk about some more long range ways, but what's the first thing you do when you start to get a hold of that, whether it's a, a phrase or an image in your mind or something that you just, it comes to you like it's, it's otherworldly. It's not even, it's not even really from you, right? It's, it's just something that comes to you and all of a sudden you see it clear as a bell. What do you do? Yeah. So this is interesting because, so th this is typically like the, the very foundation of how I coach people too. Mm -hmm. And, and really it's, it's taking a step all the way back and reflecting on who I am. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and for me, I need to constantly remind myself of who I am and in what order I am those things. And I'll probably blow them in trying to get down because there's seven of them. But, you know, first and foremost for me, and again, this is going to be a little bit different for everybody. But as I think about that, like first and foremost, I am a Christian. Like that, that is like the very first thing that I am. Mm. Second to that, I am a husband. Third yeah. to that, I'm a father. Fourth to that, I'm a friend. Fifth to that, I'm a pastor. And sixth to that, I'm a business professional. And I think my seventh one is, is I'm an athlete in there. And I can, I can uh, qualify that one, last one later. But so I, I had to go, I had to take that big step back and think through each of those things and, and understand, you know, do my, do my strengths align with who I think I am? And, uh, and, and are, are the deficiencies the result of ignoring who I am or because I'm lying to myself on who I really am? Mm. And so that for me is an extremely practical exercise. I, I go to, to my wife with that. Like, am I really these things? Where am I falling short? Um, and, and you notice, by the way, like at least for me, like none of those are, are, have any kind of adjectives around them, right? Like I'm not a good this or a great that or a successful this. Like it's none of those things. Like I, I can define those later. For me, yeah. it's important to understand that just, just the true identity of each one of those things and make sure that I'm aligned with those. So that mm -hmm. for me is like, that's just the foundation. I was thinking about... Uh the the play or the movie whichever one Les Misérables and uh, what happens to to Jean Valjean you know he he steals these uh, candlesticks I think from um, from this this uh, church that he's staying the night at and he runs out and the French police find him and arrest him and bring him back and when he and when that happens the bishop of the church um, basically I mean says no you 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 didn't take the rest of the silverware, right? Yeah. And he tells the police officers, dismisses them, and then he says, I'm, you know, I I think I got it written down here. He says, Remember your promise to become a good man. You're no longer a thief. And with the silver I've bought I've bought you back from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. And and so everything he does after that becomes consistent with the new name, the new theme that's been pronounced over his life. Yeah. 
And what I found is the same thing. As soon as I was a, I struggled with the whole concept of vision for years because I'm like, well, my vision is, um, you know, kind of like what you were talking about there. I was, I was like, my vision is I become healthy, wealthy, and wise, hmm. you know. And I don't think it's that God wants us to be poor, sick, and broke and stupid. Hmm. It's just that that's not the vision. Those are as... Um, Lawrence McNair, who's going to be on this program soon, and he pointed out, he said, no, that's, that's the results, mm-hmm. you know, if, and, and so one thing I tell people to do right away is no matter how confusing that vision might be for you, no matter how much it might seem like it's way off in left field, has nothing to do with what you're concerned about now, start by writing it down or sketching mm-hmm. it, drawing it out, whatever, if it's visual, then draw it out, you know. Um, and if you're not a very good drawer, then hire someone who is, you know, I mean, just, <laughs> but make an effort to put that thing on paper Yeah, because it's not to describe where you are at this moment. It's to describe where you're going. Yeah. And if you have that along the way, the practical, what you should do with that vision will become more apparent. Yeah, you know, so, you know, other other things, and then, and then I'll get to kind of the, so, so how I look forward, like, you know, one of the other things that is very important for me is to constantly remember where I was, um, not for, not for condemnation, um, but, but just a good reminder. So, there was a long span of my life uh, that I was not a Christian, and I remember what life looked like for me, and that was not a good place for me. Uh, I, for a long time, I was not a good husband. Even when I was a husband, like my wife or my uh, marriage almost ended in divorce five years into our marriage. And so I remember what I was like then, and I don't want to be those things. Right. So like, so that's important for me too. And I think for, for a lot of us, as long as we can carefully navigate that component, which I think that takes really good outside influence, a coach, a good friend, somebody to help you navigate that because that can very quickly turn you know, very, very negative. Um, but I think that's so helpful to reflect on where you came from. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was so important too. And then as I move forward, so I did something this year that like goes against everything, almost everything everybody talks about. But so this was the first year, 2019, in at least 10 years, I scrapped every single one of my goals. I, I did not set a single goal for 2019. Now, mm. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I have some ideas of, of where I want my business to be and what I want my family life to look like. It's not that those things weren't there. But what I did instead was, and this was new for me um, in, in how I engineered it, I guess, is I decided that I was going to determine the habits that would best reflect who I was that I had identified, right? Like my identity. And so what, what does a, what does a husband do, right? What, what does a father do? What does a business professional do? And then obviously some of those things got expanded on as I thought about like, you know, what a coach did or what a consultant did. Um, So, so they grow from there, but then I found myself and I have found myself over the last five months. um, I have found myself uh, with with a lot greater purpose every day 
Because now each day, instead of looking out ahead and just thinking like, I'm just, I'm building all the blocks and I'm going to eventually get to where I want to go. Instead, I'm looking at each day and saying, all I need to do, like I get up every single morning and from five to six, before I even get to the gym, I have a very intentional routine, but those are all part of the habits that I need to accomplish in order to be that person that I've identified I am. And so it's been so freeing for me, but it's also in some crazy way, uh, um, produced a lot a higher performance than I've ever had before. And then I'm just way happier in the process. So it's like, there's just all these byproducts. And then the outcomes, as you talked about, they're just going to come. Like if, if, I, if I do all those things uh, based upon who I want to be or who I think I am, uh, then naturally I'm going to produce great outcomes. I'm going I'm to be a great husband. I'm going to be a great father. I'm going to be a, the best pastor I can possibly be to our church. I'm going to be successful in business and I'm going to reward myself for that. Like all all those things come, but they're just natural byproducts and outcomes of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've read a lot about this recently with um, Dallas Willard has a book called the divine conspiracy. You might've read it and he makes the contrast because um, what the religious experts of the day, the Pharisees and all that, when they were coming to Jesus, they had all the external obedience to the requirements of the of the torah um and 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 the prophets of the of the old testament um and and jesus said no 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 it's not, it's not you know yes you you look the part but you aren't the part mm-hmm. right inside you're empty inside is is a heart full of greed wickedness jealousy murder lust, all this kind of stuff. And the, par- the principle is very parallel, mm-hmm. I think, with what you're describing there, because you can be, you can hold the office, right, of being a husband, a father, pastor, whatever, and you can still be empty on the mm-hmm. inside. Yep. And, and, and then you're, the quality of your relationships, and thus the output of them, will correspond to that. Yep. Versus you can hold the office and, and be very diligent and focused on becoming the type of person that we all want to envisage when we hear that word, right? We all want to think of a father and then see a father, a real quality, loving, caring, strong, you know, masculine figure in our lives. Yep. And we really, and we think of a, a businessman, you know, we want to think of a wise, astute, creative, inventive, productive, generous type of person, um, community leader, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, great point. I mean, just, just, it's, it's very much about not, you know, banging down the walls and, and gaining ground external. It's about digging deep internally. It's about excavating your character and getting right down to the core of who you are, your identity and the vision that you get, and then, and then building on it from there. Yeah. Well, and what's so fascinating too, and you know, I run into this a ton, but I think this is just a natural tendency. Most of the goals that we set for ourselves are like tangible um, uh, achievements, right? Like uh, it's a, a set income level or producing revenue if I'm a salesperson or to buy X, Y, or Z. What's crazy to me is rarely, if ever, and, and, and I'm willing to go to the if ever, uh, do we actually have control, ultimate control, over whether we achieve that goal or not? 
Like when yeah. I coach salespeople and, you know, they're, you know, one of the goals is like, you know, whether the company set it for them or they set it for themselves is like, I want to sell a million dollars this year. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I understand where that comes from. But you tell me, do you have ultimate control over whether you generate that revenue? Well, yeah, you know, if I do this many appointments and I close this many deals and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So you actually have control over whether or not that person tells you yes. Well, I mean, not, not completely. Oh, so, okay. So you've set a goal for yourself that you're going to determine success or failure on pass or fail. And yet you don't even have control over that goal. Yeah. I'm like, well, but that's the way I've, and I'm like, I know that is the way you've always done it. And that's just so backwards because we should be completely focused on again, uh, within reason, the things that we can control and yeah. let everything else fall where it may. And if yeah. they're not, and if we're not achieving the things that we want, then we need to look back again, like you just said, we need to look back at ourselves inwardly and understand where it's breaking down, not externally to things that are outside of our control. Mm -hmm. in, the, in that same book, Willard says, we fly upside down in our culture. And so they, the culture gets the part right. I see people talking about if, you know, if you're not getting the success, the results you want, then look inwards. They get that part right. But then they make the goals inverted so that they're like they've traditionally done it x amount of dollars x amount of sales you know x amount of new deals and all that and i discovered that i i in in my first job in the insurance industry we had those kind of goals and i could never meet them hmm. and it it wasn't because i was a poor salesman i was single-handedly there was two me and one other guy we were the two salespeople in that office and together we sold more policies per month than the next 10 agencies in line, hmm. right? This is property casualty insurance office. But yeah. um, so we were, we were far and away the best in the business in our state and in our, in our region hmm. um, for that particular company. But I could never meet the goal that was laid out in front of me, this X amount of policies. Yep. And they kept dangling the carrot in front of me saying, well, if you, if you actually meet the goals, then we'll pay you the commission. And if you don't meet them, too bad. Right. And I, I said, you know, that's just extremely discouraging way to treat somebody who works as hard as I do. Um, never mind all of the other issues that, <laughs> that go along with that. But um, so eventually it was my, as a mentor of mine, Jonathan Garrick said the same thing. He said, no, no, you got to focus. If you're going to set a goal, make sure it's a goal that the only way you don't achieve it is because of your own, your own decisions, your own choice of whether or not to execute. Yep. In other words, don't involve other people over whom you have no control. Yep. And it's funny, the other thing, uh, this brought to mind another thing. I was thinking about this yesterday because I was listening to a Bible Project podcast yesterday. Mm. And they said, what, what you observe about God is that he is definitely in charge, but he's not in control. Mm -hmm. Right? He's, he's in charge. He is the supreme judge, but it's quite clear from thousands of years of recorded history, he has chosen to grant to mankind the dignity of causation. And he has definitely made, you know, he's definitely said, you know, he's, he definitely, there are things that happen that are not what he wants, not his will, but they happen. Which is just a, a, a nice way of saying whether you believe in him or not, look, if the creator of the universe doesn't insist on having control over the outcome, then neither should you, <laughs> you know, anyway. So that's what I wanted to say. <laughs>
Um, let's talk, let's switch gears here. Travel advisories. Um, contrast, I mean, you, you touched on this a little bit. Let's talk about your vision before the Vegas shooting mm-hmm. and afterwards. Before, I mean, did you have one and what was it and, and what's the contrast there afterwards? Yeah, so I have a really bad memory. Uh, so that never goes, that never serves well when these questions are asked. Um, but, you know, if I, if I think um, as simply as I can about it, I think that, again, for the most part, um, it, it, was, it was very similar in where I wanted to go in life, which was um, I wanted to earn a, you know, enough money i'm sure that there was there was you know clear numbers there to be able to provide for my family in orange county which is significantly more than a lot of other places and it's just so stupid and ridiculous but you know whatever <laughs> i guess it's i'm paying for the sun that you don't get in washington yeah. um, <laughs> um and so you know so you know so there was something that you know there was something there to that um and, you know, being able to provide for my family and to go on vacation. And so those are like kind of like the practical things that, like, you know, that I was seeking out and, and looking towards the future for. Mm-hmm. I think professionally, I had not completely figured it out. And I think part of the reason was because I thought I was on a really good path previous to going to work for my client. And, um, it, and it was the right decision at the right time, but that kind of derailed that vision a little bit. And so I think actually that got a little bit cloudy. Uh, and, and it turned from, um, where, where I, now I know I want to go, uh, which was probably where I wanted before into, I want to, I want to build the best possible outcome I can in the organization and, you know, be successful and climb the ladder again and yada, yada, yada. Um, but you know, even as a pastor, um, I don't think that I necessarily had a long-term vision years and years ago. We wanted to go out and plant another church. Um, we had planted this one along with two other couples back in 2012. And so we knew we would replicate that or we thought we would replicate that again sometime in the future. So there was all these plans that I had had and really kind of like casting this vision for life. But, um, but it was, it was just very mishmash, you know, it's kind of just all over the place, uh, even though I, I was kind of moving forward in the right direction. And so then when this happened, again, I think that the most important thing for me was recognizing that um, I don't necessarily need to have this clear cut, well-designed vision for 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. so much as the vision for my life is really, I get up out of bed every single day and my desire is to do the best I can to be all that God has created me to be you know, professionally that, like I say this to people, I am in relentless pursuit of other people's success. I challenge people, you know, to try and challenge me on that. Um, I am all about just giving as much of myself as possible. I think that's one good thing actually that came out of it was um, over the last few years or previous to Vegas, I had tried to do a really good job of being very supportive and giving of myself, but there were some limitations. Um, Yeah. 
some for good and some for bad reason. And through that, what I recognized was like my time was extremely limited. I mean, my friend was killed, you know, standing a foot from me. I laid on top of my wife thinking that either she or I was going to die. I remember kissing her and telling her I loved her, which what I thought at the moment was going to be for the last time. I never thought I was going to see my kids again. Right. So, so, so in that and through that, what I realized was, was, I needed to make the most of every moment, but not in the cheesy way, which I think that sometimes we can go there too, but really to just to be super intentional, to use as much of my gift and talent as I could for other people. Um, A book I read um, towards the end of last year, rolling into the beginning of this year was The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. And it's Mm. an older book. I had never read it before. And uh, so from that, I, I just, I overdid what he said, which literally like, I, I will give value to anybody and everybody at any time that they want mm-hmm. without asking yeah. for anything in return. And, and people's question is like, well, you're going to get burned. And I'm like, I probably am. And I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. And so those are the things for me as I think about vision looking forward. It doesn't sound as clean as somebody that may say, you know, I want to build my business to X and then I want to you know, ride off into the sunset with this. Um, I just don't have that because I don't think that that's what my life's designed to do, at least not right now. Um, I've got some clear breaking off points. I mean, I'm 41, and so I'm hoping to be part, partially retired at 50, and that may not sound like a big deal to some people, except for the fact that right now we have almost nothing structurally set for that and no reserve set for that, and so literally, I'm, I'm on a nine-year sprint to get there, um, but I'm committed to doing that for more than just like the ability to be able to earn all this money, but really I want to, over the next nine years, I want to create a life that allows me then to take the next 30, 40, 50 years of my life post 50 and turn it into something where I can really go out and serve in ways that I'm not attached to financial need and that I can live with my children as they grow up further, which they're 17 and 10 right now. And so they will be at just pivotal ages in their mid twenties, probably getting ready to get married or maybe just married. And I just want life to look different, but I've got to do a lot of like really, really big things in the next nine years to get there. And, but I don't even know what that looks like. Right. All I know is like that, that's just a marker that I'm really looking to hit. And so I believe that if I do everything I can today to live up to the person that I feel I am, I think I'll get there. Mm, Yeah. That's good. Um, now, I don't know whether this is a question for you and I or not, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway, um, because what I've observed is a lot of people who actually achieve that kind of you know, radical financial independence and freedom uh, get to that point and to discover that what they thought they were after isn't there. Mm-hmm. Now you and I are not really, I think you and I are at, at least at this point, we're a little bit more sober about that. We already know from what we have experienced, um, that pursuing wealth for its own sake, uh, doesn't deliver the results that everybody thinks it will. And all you got to do is ask somebody who's at the very, very pinnacle of it, like Gates or Buffett or any of these big mm-hmm. names, you know, um, the emptiness continues even after you're full. So 
but let's let's look at this for from a different angle for a minute, Ryan, and that is, you know, supposing your vision doesn't end up including uh, making you know the amount of money you would need to do that, or the amount of money that somebody else has in mind. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> let's just suppose that you know it's not that you become destitute or impoverished; it's just that it, it goes down a very different avenue even now than you would expect it to um how do you see that vision helping to answer the questions that are going to come up in your soul at that point yeah so uh i get to reflect right the bottom's already fallen out twice yeah on my wife and i in 18 years of marriage okay um personally and financially we lost a house to short sale in 2013, which was really the result of abusive spending in 2007 and eight. I mean, it just took years for it all to catch up um, and a host of other issues. So let me, just, let me just say two things. First of all is nothing about partially retiring at 50 solves any problem for me, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's, there's no fulfillment in now. It will feel damn good if, if I do that at that point and I get to cheer for a minute. But that does nothing for me in fulfilling me as a person, hopefully. Um, God knows my heart way better than I do, which also means none of this could ever happen because I have shown a past history. Thank God it's been years and years and years of not being responsible financially. Um, I think I have learned a lot, though I still have a lot to go. But but what it does when I start to think about what I can do and what I can continue to accomplish, I just get to be more of who I am. And mm. I hate to go back to that because it just sounds so ethereal. But, but what I mean by getting to 50 and retiring is I just don't want to have any more dependence uh, or, or need to be dependent upon earning my next client. I don't want to stop working. I mean, my dad is uh, in his, I think early 70s. He may have just turned 70, 71. And he, him and my stepmom are, are, are taken care of. They made some smart decisions late in life. He doesn't have to work. And yet he's been busting his butt working three to four days a week with his hands getting greasy and dirty every single day because he enjoys doing it. And then that allows him just a perk of getting to spend money on stupid stuff that my stepmom won't yell at him about because it's extra money. But but he, but he's done that out of the joy of his heart, and and I and I feel like in that way, I, t- I took on a lot of qualities for my dad, good and bad. But like that's one of them. I love what I do. I don't want to stop coaching at fifty. As a matter of fact, I think if I would do anything post fifty, that's all it would be. And to yeah. some people, maybe I would take money from that. From other people, I want to be able to give back to people and to be able to do that. And I feel yeah. like as I see who God has created me for, that's who I've been created to be. Is to be somebody that can help other people get to the places in their life where they achieve fulfillment, right? Where they, where they find that. So I'm not setting myself up to pass or fail at 50 if I've got 10 million in the bank or whatever it's going to take, because that just sounds ridiculous. Yeah. All I know is, is it's this target that I'm after. And I feel like regardless of whether I hit it or not, by the time I get there, working every single day to do the things I'm doing, it won't even matter whether or not I actually achieve it. Like it'll just be a bonus. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to. And so that's why I'm so intentional about the now and, and, and really making sure that 
each little nuance in my character and in my being is aligned with who I think I am and want to be. And, and then I'll just let all that stuff play itself out. It's mm. mm. good. Ryan, I want, I want to, uh, I wanted to do a, like a little illustration here um, to let the audience hear how you would respond to um, hearing somebody else's vision. And for that, I decided what better vision to use than my own. Oh, God, you're setting me up here. <laughs> <laughs> you won't know the whole backstory, but I'll try and, I'll try and fill you in. Um, and, 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 and the reason here is not, uh, I, you know, I, 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 want, I really want the audience to hear this. I want them to remember this episode like no other because we're talking about stuff that is just at the absolute core of the core mm-hmm. of who and what we are. But anyway, so um, two years ago, um, I was coming out of a dark period in my life, addiction, relapse into an addiction that I thought I'd kicked, depression, anxiety, pride, envy, contempt, bitterness. You know, I held them at bay for the most part, but I couldn't hold them at bay completely. And I was, you know, trying to grow my own little... Uh, house of cards off of the insurance business and it wasn't working like I thought it would and on and on and on. So I go um, in the summer of 2017, I go to Colorado for the uh, Wild at Heart boot camp with uh, Hmm. John Eldridge and Ransomed Heart. And while I'm there, um, I get a vision and the, it's a, it's a portmanteau of the, the title father and what God said about David when he said, I'm a, a man after God's own, he's a man after God's own heart. So he called me a father after God's own heart. And I didn't understand what he was talking about at the time, but I wrote it down, like I said to do earlier. So I come back and nothing is the same after this. I mean, I, it's been a dramatic turnaround and rescue in a matter of three or four days of just getting out of the usual scene. And slowly the the wheels begin to fall off on the insurance business. And come June of 2018, I got fired um, because I hadn't sold anything like in six months, you know, and not for lack of trying, just what used to work didn't work anymore. And I could see that. And so I go into this free fall of entrepreneurship and um, along the way, uh, you know, we keep digging further and further into my character. And I keep learning where my pride and my envy and my um, contempt and all of these horrible things that I had been nursing, I'd kept nursing them long after I'd become a Christian, Hmm. where it's all coming from. Some of it's familial, some of it's just habits, some of it's, you know, doesn't matter. It's got to go. But all this time, I'm drawing toward me these younger millennial entrepreneurs that I meet in the marketplace. They're intrigued by me. They're interested in my story. They are looking for guidance. And so I start to put the pieces together. And I say, oh, okay. So I want to coach. I want to speak. I want to inspire. I want to be, I don't want to be a pastor title, but I have a pastoral fatherly quality about me that, that, that can't stand to see people not understand or grasp a concept. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, I'm, I'm probably filling in more of the de- more of the details than necessary here, but I just wanted to get that out there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's the vision. So now, now that I've got, that's become a little bit more solid and concrete. I start to look at each thing that comes my way and say, does this line up mm-hmm. with what I've received or does it not? Mm-hmm. And that's the process I want people to hear in this no matter where you think you're getting your vision from, Mm -hmm. does it line up with that vision? Because if it doesn't line up with it, I've had numerous successful people tell me, then you're not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, or it's going to lead you down the wrong path, which is what you don't want to do. So anyway, I I thought I'd put that out there and see what your reaction was to it. Yeah, no, I mean, so again, what I think is fantastic about that. Uh, is that, and by the way, thank you for not setting me up for something that I had to disagree with. Uh, <laughs> that's been real bad. Uh, no, um, you know, I, I think what's so fantastic about that is so often when we think of vision, we think of end result, right? Like I, I, I'm, I'm uh, this picture of what I will become. And it's typically what I will become, not who, which is so, so vastly different. But, yeah. um, but we have this picture of what, what's to come. And what I always ask people when they get there is, what happens if you don't? Yeah. And, and that just, you know, it's either the, you know, the push off of, well, I'm gonna, of course I'm gonna, I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna do all these things and have all these systems in place and blah, 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 blah. And, and that's like terrible. That's just a yeah. terrible, terrible response. You don't know and, that. Yeah. Right. Again, you have no control, ultimate control over that outcome. What I love about what you said is, is it, it, it's about who you are right? I mean, which has been our whole conversation. Like you're identifying in yourself, you know, these characteristics of what you desire, where your strengths lie, what you're capable of doing. And because of that, you get to filter all of these other things through you, right? Not, not some version of what, what may be later. It's, it's a, it's through you now. And so it's great to me because, Again, when I think about like people, sometimes people will set like the vision for the future. So that's like the, the uh, static point at the end. And then they like align or they outline this process of like how I'm going to graduate to that. But they take on things sometimes that, is, that, is, that lines up with who they're going to become, but not who they are. And that sets up its own sense of failure, right? Because you're not there yet. And so maybe you shouldn't be taking on those things until a later date. And so again, back to what you said, you just don't leave yourself any room to get into that kind of trouble. Like I'm sure there's plenty of other potholes that you can step into, but you have given yourself almost a foolproof way of life or, or, or way of being because it's, does this align with who I am? Right. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and I don't know, I just, I think that's amazing and people need to hear that. And that's how people need to design their life personally, professionally, spiritually, whatever. It, it, it's got to focus on the now, obviously not to an unhealthy degree, but, but we just, we spend too much time looking at the future and the future may not even be there. And so we need to focus on the now. And so I love that you said that. And I, it just sounds so exciting on top of it. So um, that's just fantastic. Well, and let, let me um, thank you for that. Let me, let me say one other thing. And that is that <clears throat> um, it is very present oriented. But this is one of the interesting paradoxes of the vision is that 
it, it is also in a way it's it's who you're becoming yeah right? yeah so there is a there is an element of the future there but it's totally the opposite of the future that most people in the culture are encouraged to think about or think yes. about naturally so i don't i no longer concentrate on well how much money does this vision make me, <laughs> you know, um, because, or how much money am I going to make? Because I'm going to, I'm going to earn what is commensurate with the amount I invest in being in, in, in carrying out that role. Yeah. And yeah. as an, and as an example of this, you know, I, when I was young, uh, in high school and all that, I loved acting and, performance, anything performance. I was in choir, I was in drama, I was in TV production, right? And so that's my skill set, right? Communication and speaking and, and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm made to do. Hmm. So the thought crossed my mind today. Well, you know, I, maybe I should go try getting into a talent agency or something. You know, this, this stuff just comes up. It's, it's a yeah. constant effort to derail me from what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I was able, I had an answer for that. I said, no, 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 no. Uh, let's go back to the vision here, right? Now, uh, that may not necessarily, that doesn't, that's kind of neutral, the whole idea of acting. It's neither outside the vision nor is it inside. So how do you make your decision? Well, now you got to think, okay, what would a father after God's own heart do in this situation? Bearing in mind, he has, you know, the chief responsibilities of honoring that vision and staying true to the God he worships, and then caring for the family that is under his care. Yeah. And I was immediately able to say that I put my family at a very disadvantaged position by doing that. Mm. Yep. Now, the, the, then what, what, as you begin to think about this, you say, well, wait a minute, but that's your skill set. That's, you know, you love acting and you love performance. I said, yeah. So right now, because of this vision, I'm going to play the role of a father. <laughs> you know, I am acting. Mm -hmm. All of life is a stage and we are but the players. I'm just in a very different set of motion pictures right now than, you know, Hollywood or anything like that. And, and I was able to say, I'm playing a profoundly important role. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, 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 the Oscars would go nuts if they had, if they were living, if they weren't flying upside down. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and the Academy would be, you know, would, would find the, the ways that I've improvised this role tremendously helpful. All that is to say, Ryan, I, there's just, there, there's so much to this. It's so contextual and so individualized, but it, if you stick with this, if you write it down, if you sketch it out and you begin to define what you do versus what you don't do under that rubric and you have that vision, I mean, it, 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 it changes everything and it impacts everything you do. Yep. Yep. No, I just, I, I, I can't agree more. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it is very big. It's very complex. Um, it's very unique to each individual person. Um, but I do think that, um, uh, at the end of the day, the process is very similar, right? Uh, it's not identical, but 
you got to get back to ground zero. And I think that you've got to do that over and over again. I think far too often, particularly those, and this is what I find a lot, I work with a lot of people that are at a, a very significant level of accomplishment or achievement. And those are the bigger challenges to overcome. When I have people that are like new to their profession or they're seeking this out for the first time, they're pretty easy because they're very moldable. Whereas once people have accomplished things, they don't think they need to go back and reflect, right? They don't think they yeah. need to go back and, and recast vision. And it is something that is so, so, so important. Even if you end up coming up with the exact same thing that you did the last time you did it, that's fine. You just got to make sure that you're constantly going back and referencing to ensure that you haven't changed. Because if you've changed, then the vision's got to. Yeah. yeah. Or you have well, to, 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 to go back to the vision. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, it, as, as more and more people are starting to understand, this is not a linear process mm -hmm. it's an ascending spiral yeah and so we all have to take a trip through kindergarten every now and then yes <laughs> yes and it's embarrassing i don't like doing it either but you know what you, you if, if 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 you are nobody's exempt from it mm -hmm. and the people who are pretending that they are are the most miserable on earth yeah yeah you know and um you know as much as it's it's hard to go back and reconstruct or to evaluate to critique um i've started to find and again like i i can say this um as i'm just like this awesome person dealing with all this stuff i don't love criticism and i don't love love negative feedback i just had this interaction with a client that i'm uh, coaching yesterday and they weren't happy with the way that i communicated something to the rest of their team and so I had to, and this is live on the fly, right? Like I'm in, I'm interacting with this woman and she is visibly upset uh, with what I said, felt like I personally attacked her. Uh, and so I'm trying to on the fly, um, help be empathetic to her, to understand her situation, to reflect on what I said in that moment, to check that against what I really believe is the truth of the whole situation, align that with whether or not I'm even capable of continuing to navigate this conversation. Like, so that's all happening. But when I got done and she got up, it was wonderful because I, I, after, I, after I did all that, I looked back at even the way I handled that whole situation and I was really proud of the fact that I was in the moment deeply considering whether or not I could have come to a different conclusion or I could have handled something differently. And so it was a learning process, even in the moment. And like those, those things to me, if you knew me years and years ago and how prideful I was, like I'm so proud of, my, uh, of, of the fact that like God has changed my heart in a way to be able to do that because yeah. I, I, I wasn't even capable of doing that before. Like someone would have come in, I'd have been like, sucks for you. I, like this is the way that it is, get out. I know what's yeah. best. Yeah. And so I just encourage people like there's so much fruit in, in going back to that kindergarten, preschool, heck, go all the way back to the first time you took your first step, right? Like go back and reflect on that and it will just produce such a, a greater sense of joy and fulfillment in life when you do that. Yeah. Ben, don't break, you know, yeah. allow yourself to be pushed one way, but, but then, you know, wait till the momentum starts to swing in the, in the opposite direction and stay committed mm -hmm. with the person or the, the task that you're on. Yep. And, and I've seen that so much, so often in, in relationships, in, um, in mechanical work, problem solving, you know, 
and and that's why they used to tell us and they still do if if it, if at first you don't succeed try and try again yeah you know Absolutely. don't don't just walk away from it don't give up so yeah. ryan it's been great having you on this has been a great conversation audience we may have got a little bit in the weeds there but i'm going to say you know this is this is two guys who coach and speak and think about this kind of stuff all the time and so if we wandered off, you know, I, I want to be the first to say we'll, we'll keep working at it. Um, I don't think this is the last time. I hope this is not the last time Ryan would like to join us. We'll find another uh, a topic to talk about. But in the meantime, um, if people want to know more about you, your podcasts, your coaching programs, speaking opportunities, Ryan, where should we send them? Yeah, thankfully, I've made it pretty easy and gotten lucky in the process. So my website is ryanjamesmiller.com. So that's a great way. I am uh, been blessed to be all over LinkedIn. Uh, My handle there is at RJM Sales Pro. And then same thing, I like to mix in a little bit of personal and professional on Instagram. And that's the same handle, RJM Sales Pro. So any one of those three places is great. And I love to take feedback, criticism, just a great conversation. Uh, yeah, just, I just, I appreciate the opportunity, Paul. I mean, uh, you know, being able to share this time with you, uh, you've accomplished so much. And, uh, you know, as I said, I, I, I'm pretty sure I said this at the beginning and I was looking forward to learning from you and, and not just navigating a podcast, but more importantly, just navigating conversation, you know, words and questions matter so much. And so thanks mm-hmm. because I mean, I really, I learned a lot um, about just how to continue to improve myself and, uh, and just about you. And so no, I mean, it's been great. Well, it's been great having you on. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll look forward to, uh, to the next time. But in the meantime, thanks so much for being with us, Ryan. And uh, that'll about do it on my end, unless you got any parting words. I'm good. Get out there and do whatever you can to be the best version of yourself you can. Amen. All right, my friend, you take care. Thanks, Paul. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.